you did four prayer meetings and then that's it. And so I was, I was hungry, I was left hungry, I was left longing, wondering, and then um, sometime later went into a fast, and I had never really fasted before, but I was hungry for God, and I felt like he was saying fast, and so the longest I could possibly think about going without food was a week, and I thought, I'm going to fast for a week. And so, I didn't know why, really, but I went into a week-long fast. Just, I might have drank juice. I mean, I can't believe I did water. I think I must have drank some juice, because I was new to fasting. I had only fasted one other time before that. So, but I fasted for a week. I fasted food. No food. And um, at the end of a week, I was ready to break this fast, because I was like, okay, I'm done with this no eating thing, you know? And, um, but I felt like the Holy Spirit was like not letting me break the fast. You know, I just felt like something like, don't stop fasting. I was like, what God? And I'm just pressing in, just asking, what is it? You know, what is it? And he gave me the scripture about our Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. Mm -hmm. And he said, wait, you must wait, you must endure. You must wait for the promise. You know, you must endure. And so I, I just, I didn't break the fast. And then, but I was kept praying, trying to figure out why I couldn't break the fast. And I saw a picture, and the picture I saw was Pastor Brent laying hands on Dan and me. And I didn't really know Pastor Brent. I only knew him from those prayer meetings, but we didn't really talk. I didn't have his phone number, you know? And here I get this picture of him laying hands on us and praying for us, and I'm like, Lord, is that what you want to happen? I'm like, can't somebody else pray for us, you know? I mean, this was uncomfortable. How am I going to get in touch with him? But God just wouldn't let me. Uh, I just knew that's what I needed. I needed to figure, out, figure that out. And so I literally looked up in the phone book back then, we had phone books, <laughs> like a book with phone numbers in it, right? I opened the phone book, and I found Brent Locker, there's only one Brent Locker in the phone book, and his number, and I'm like, okay, here we go, dun, 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 make the call, Brent answers the phone, I tell him who I am, I tell him I'm fasting, picture. <laughs> Will you pray for us? <laughs> and he goes, he goes, wait. He goes, so you're not going to eat until I pray for you? <laughs> I said, well, I don't think I'm supposed to because I got this verse, you know, this Bible verse. And he goes, is it Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35? And I'm like, oh. Yes, that is the Bible verse. That's awesome. He goes, the Lord's been speaking that Bible verse to me. And I'm starting a church. I'm, I'm coming out of the Presbyterian church, and I'm starting a vineyard church. And, I'm, and so he starts telling me what God was doing in his life. Okay, so this was probably, I mean, this had to be 
because he came over actually that night. He had a meeting. He canceled it, and he came to our house, and he laid hands on us with anointing oil and prophesied over us, and some of the words were, I can still remember them. It was really powerful, and, and we've never had anything like that happen to us before. We had not had the laying on of hands, the anointing of oil, and none of that. We weren't charismatic. We went to a community church, you know? So, um, but we had them over uh, for dinner and then um, started talking to them. And he said, uh, three weeks from now, we're going to this thing called the Brownsville Revival. It's in Florida. God's moving. We've heard about it. You guys should think about coming. And we're like, what? <laughs> that just sounded so out there to us. You know anything about that. Dan didn't want to go at all, really. He had no interest in going. I was like mildly, slightly interested, but not too much, you know. But we prayed together at night before bed. I said, Lord, if we're supposed to go to this show, Dan, is what I prayed. And that night he had a dream. And um, the next morning we're driving to church. We still go to Valley Community Church on Sunday. We're driving to church, and Dan says, I had a, I had a funny dream last night. I said, what was it? He said, well, this is before, I mean, we didn't, we didn't have prophetic dreams, okay? You know, we weren't charismatic. We were just churchgoers. So all this was really new. Anyways, he goes, yeah, in my dream, you and I were on the edge of this big river. And Allison's there. Allison was someone we knew from these crazy prayer meetings that she was really we would characterize her as kind of a crazy Holy Spirit person, right? <laughs> Allison was there, and she was she just jumped in the river, and she was riding on a manatee, just flying down the river. <laughs> 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 what a manatee! And then this dance dream, and then he goes, and then I fell in the river, and I was on a manatee. <laughs> I was riding on a manatee down the river, and I was worried about my wallet. Well, <laughs> I know, different that one, but um, I'm like, manatees, I'm like, aren't those in the rivers in Florida? And he's like, yeah. And I go, do you think that might have to do with the Brownsville Revival? <laughs> and so after that, it literally, like, all the doors opened for us to go. Somebody bought us airplane tickets. Somebody offered to watch our kids. We had three little ones at the time. You know, so all this stuff we got it. I mean, everything was covered, like paid for, and we just, I guess we're going. All right, we're going to this revival. And so Brent and Suzanne and Steve McCready and us went to this Florida revival in August 1997, and um, we got hit with the Holy Spirit in those meetings like we had never experienced before. It was dramatic. I mean, there was more power in those meetings than I have ever seen, ever. And I've been in a lot of meetings since then, but I've never seen anything that compared to what we saw there. Wow. There was conviction of sin coming down in those meetings such that people were running to the altars and falling on their face and crying out for repentance, crying out for God. And it was happening every night. We were there for a week. It was very dramatic. And so we came back like, all right, 
we're all in, we're with Pastor Brent, let's start this vineyard church, let's go, you know? And so at the time, Brent was still, Brent was into prayer meetings for revival. So we had a ton of prayer meetings because we wanted to see revival. And uh, we had a lot of intercessors that gathered to us in those days. Prior to Blazing Fire, we were a praying church. Uh, Anne was part of it. So we go way back. And um, in my heart, I mean, we had at one point, we had offices, church offices, and, and one of the offices we dedicated for prayer. And so they gave me and some other pray, praying people keys so you could get in and pray at whatever time, day or night. And that's when I first began to start doing all night prayers. Many, most by myself usually. I'd go in and I'd do an all night prayer. And um, the Lord had put a seed in my heart because I, I don't understand really how I knew to do this back in the day. I was tracking with Mike Bickle by tape. He would send, they would send us a tape every month, and that was weird because we never signed up for it. We just got a tape from Mike Bickle every month in the mail. We're like, I don't know why I'm getting this, but we would listen to it. So the Lord was planting seeds, you know, and we were listening to tapes like Forerunners with Holy Violent Love, and we're like, I don't know what that's about, but I've got to hear that message. And so we were tracking with Mike Bickle from a distance, and but I'd go into this prayer room that we had, and I would read Song of Solomon, and I would put my name in as the Shulamite. And I would wish that there were singers around me to sing it. Like he was putting the model like into me before it was even a thing, really. And I was like, Lord, I just wish there were people here who would sing this. And so I'm praying Song of Solomon. I'm like interacting with God through the night hours and longing, just longing, longing, longing for House of Prayer. Like I didn't have words for what I was longing for. I just knew something is coming that I'm longing for so much. And so um, after five years at the Vineyard, we had a massive church split and just stuff blew up. And that's another whole story. But um, we followed Pastor Brent and helped him to start Blazing Fire Church. And so when we started Blazing Fire Church, we kind of started to follow what was going on at, at Bethel. And so we take trips up to Bethel. And so there was something stirring there. And Blazing Fire um, became a completely different type of church than the Vineyard Church. Because that's kind of how the Lord led it. He was leading it that way. And so it was kind of odd, but our prayer meetings all just stopped. They came to a complete halt. And so for five years, we had no prayer. We had prophetic evangelism. We had the, ch the church was growing. You know, we had Holy Spirit activity, but we had no, no prayer. And um, we tried to have prayer meetings at times, and it wasn't good. It was almost like the Lord saying, don't do that. Don't, don't do that right now. Just stop. We're like, okay, weird, you know. Why would he say that? Anyways, but I think he was doing something in that. He was, he was even birthing more longing 
more waiting produces more longing, you know? And so for me, I knew somehow I'm called to prayer, but I'm like this war horse out to pasture. Like, just go eat grass right now. Like, you're not doing anything right now. So just go eat the grass. And it was so painful. <laughs> just like, you know, and I would go out to do the prophetic evangelism and do the stuff. That's what we were doing. But in my heart, I was like, just aching for what God had put in me, which had to do with house of prayer. I had no language for it. Um, and so that was five years. We had, we had this thing that happened early, like 2001, where since we were tracking with Bickle, we were li listening to tapes and handing them around, and Pastor Brent heard a tape, and they were just beginning the House of Prayer, the 24-hour House of Prayer in Kansas City, and Brent's like, let's go, let's take a team of people, let's go, and so we rounded up the troops, and there were 13 people that went out there to the trailer days in Kansas City to go check out what was happening in Kansas City, and I'm telling you, no one probably wanted to go more than me, but when I asked the Lord if I could go, he, I felt like he was saying, no, do not go. I was like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? People are offering to pay for my airplane ticket. I'm like, no. I just had a check in my spirit. And I'm like, I need to obey the Lord. I don't know why. Why would he want me to go? But I just obeyed him. And Dan went. The 13 people went. They came back. They were like totally pumped out. They're like, let's do harp and bowl prayer meetings. This was awesome, you know, and so we started to do that. We started to have some harp and bowl prayer meetings. Anyways, then it went into the whole blazing fire thing for five years, and and I never went to Kansas City, right, for five years. We're doing blazing fire. I'm an elder, Dan, and we're just doing this church thing, and five years in, Carla, some of you know Carla, comes around here, who's a set in our prayer room, Carla Duncan. She was our worship leader and an elder also, losing fire. She was up leading worship. It was at our church service. She starts singing songs from Kansas City, out of Kansas City, right? She starts singing songs that were popular songs being sung from the prayer room in Kansas City. And I hear the Holy Spirit really clearly saying, now you can go. And I just, like, I knew exactly what that meant. Like, he would, he's going to open the door for me to go to Kansas City. So, all the doors opened for that, and I got to go. It was 2005, November. I got to go for a long weekend by myself. Left my family at home. <laughs> and I went for a long weekend, and um, I walk in to the service where Mike Bickle's going to be speaking, and to their church service. I see Mike up there at the podium, and I, and I know there's my father, like my spiritual father, like I, I'm like, wow, this is crazy, you know, like I knew he was my spiritual dad, and so I just like sit down in the meeting, there's probably 2,000 people in this meeting, he gets up, he opens his Bible to Luke chapter 2, verse 37, he starts speaking about Anna, and I think this is the sermon you know, and he just starts talking about Anna, who prayed her whole life in the temple. She served God with fastings and prayer. And I'm like, I can't believe he's talking about Anna right now. Like, that's who I am. But I can't believe that's what he's talking about today, right now, right when I'm in this meeting. 
So he's talking about that, and then he's like, if you are an Anna, I want you to stand up. Wow. And I'm like, dang, okay. So I stand up. One other person in the room stands up. There's two of us standing. And people gather around us to lay hands on us and pray for us, and I just, I got hit with the Holy Spirit so powerfully, I don't even know what happened. I was just leveled. And numerous other things happened that weekend. I had prophetic dreams. I spent tons of time in the prayer room. I was just knew that I knew that I was called to do this, right? And that this thing that I waited for so long, somehow this was being activated. And um, it was very painful because I didn't see how it was going to work out. Because in my mind, it's like, I'm called to this. The Lord's confirmed it. I want to do this now. I don't even want to go home. I just want to stay in Kansas City and pray forevermore, you know? And so I'm on the phone with Dan crying. I don't want to go home. He's like, you go home. <laughs> you got kids here. I was really emotional, though, because I, the, going to Kansas City activated the thing in me that he had put in me. And so I'm like, I don't know how live now, now that I've experienced it, how am I going to live without it? So then I went I went home and then a few weeks later, Brent calls me, he's driving home from Reading. He had just had a vision. The Lord showed him something about a house of prayer. He goes, I think we're supposed to start a house of prayer. And I'm like, okay, let's talk you know, when you get home. So he came back, we had a meeting. I was super emotional about it. And he's like, we need to start a house of prayer. I'm like, Brent, we can't start a house of prayer. You know, it's they've got 400 full-time intercessory missionaries causing this thing to go around the clock. This isn't like a side ministry of Blazing Fire. This is a thing in and of itself. And he's like, oh. <laughs> and he listened to me, you know. And then he just he goes, well, I think we're supposed to do something to get it going. I go, okay. Well, who do you know? And the first person out of his mouth was Jim Stillwell. I know Jim Stillwell. He's called to do this. And I'm like, okay, well, let's get him in a meeting. You know, he also mentioned David Kent, Todd Lau. So then Brent runs into Jim in Fremont at a sporting event. And all this was right at the same time. And Brent's like, let's go out for coffee. And he's like, come to this meeting at my house about House of Prayer. And Jim's like, I'm going to Atlanta. <laughs> but he comes to the meeting because he hears Brent say, I've got an elder telling me that this cannot be a side ministry. This has to be a thing in and of itself. Jim's like, you have an elder telling you that? You know, because that is very unusual that someone had that understanding. And he goes, yes. He goes, okay, I'll come to the meeting. Mm -hmm. So he comes to the meeting. He's, you know, we end up praying over he and Leslie that night. God showed them that they're supposed to be in Atlanta whatever you want, Lord. And they go to Atlanta. They don't have peace about that being the thing. They come back. They're like, okay, come to another meeting. So we have another meeting, February 2006, at Brent's house. And that's when there was like maybe 10 people in the living room, and they called out four of us, Jim and myself and David Kim and Todd Lau. They said, you guys are the ones to run with this. Let's lay hands on you. And they laid hands on us. And that's when I believe that commissioning happened. Like it was like an ordination from heaven. 
because it was like Holy Spirit fell. We were all undone. We knew it was the Lord. We knew that we knew. We're, we just got the go-ahead right now. And so it was from that point that we started making plans, meeting together. We had the meeting in March, Blazing Fire, then another intensive in May, and then opened up in September. And so um, that kind of fills in the blanks a little bit from what was happening in our region in the Tri-Valley. Jim came from Martinez with a lot of prayer and came down and joined with what had been happening, you know, in place of prayer in our region. But, um, you know, and then the story just continues, you know, with Jim being launched three years ago into Sacramento region. And this year was so significant, 2019, because within the space of a few months, you know, all these years we've had no space that we could call our own. We've always shared with the church. We've always had to stop prayer meetings because of this church thing or that church thing. We've always known we need our own space to do our mandate, which is around the clock. That is our mandate. That is our, the, the Lord's never let me pull back on that vision ever. He has never said, don't make this something you can do. This is meant to go around the clock. It's not something you can do. I'm going to do it. That's what the Lord says. And so that is our mandate. I don't know how that's going to happen. I just know it's going to be God. <laughs> and so, um, but within the space of a few months, we got this place, and then Sacramento got a place. Boom, boom. Just like that. Where now we have two spaces where we could potentially go around the clock without having to stop the meeting. So this thing's going to another level. Like, I never, we never dreamed that we'd be sending Jim out, our main leader, out to another region. When, when he started to get that call, I was, I was like, no. <laughs> no, God. <laughs> I don't like that idea. <laughs> but, you know, the Lord confirms things, you know. And so that was the Lord. And, and that happened. And boom, boom, we both have, we just doubled our impact like that, sending him up there. There's a whole other team up there going around him. So I can only believe that, you know, this thing is about ready to take off. Um, just little prophetic signs that I've been seeing for probably a year, maybe two years. I see airplane numbers everywhere, 737, 747, 727, constantly. And I feel like it's going to take off. Flight, we're about ready to take off. So get ready. And um, I really believe he would not give us this room and that room if he weren't so serious about this is going around the clock. He's so serious about that. It's his vision. It's not our vision. It's his dream. He's only let us into his dream. And so, because it's his dream and his vision, like, this thing's going to happen. So, that is where you guys are all part of this. You know, our kids had grown up in it. Danny and Josiah were two and four when we started the House of Prayer at Parkway. They were rolling pennies under the pews for hours <laughs> while we're doing prayer meetings, you know. And now, they're like some of our main worship leaders in this thing. All of our kids, our older kids, were all a part of it. And I don't know. I just know 
the Lord has set this up. He set all of it up. He's gotten all of you involved. I mean, the, the story goes so much bigger, like Chandler just left, but Juliana can speak to this too. Their grandma used to come to our house of prayer. Whoa. And they didn't even figure this out till later, like, wait, this is the house of prayer that our grandma used to go pray at. You know, I mean, it's just such a web of amazement, you know, like how the Lord does this stuff. And all of you have your story is in it, too, you know. So um, did I forget anything or is that? It's pretty good. I just want to make one correction to my heretical point. It wasn't <laughs> Elijah who got called bald-headed by the teenagers. It was Elisha. Oh. <laughs> Which one came first? Elijah. So don't call old guys bald. <laughs> Whether it's Elijah or Elisha. Sorry, I just wanted to make that. If I could just add this um, practical thing as we close out. As Amy was talking, you guys, you guys that are any age, but you guys that are young right now in your teenage years, you have such the opportunity, and I know you do it, I want to encourage you, because I get texts like, hey, there's five teenagers in the prayer room at four o'clock in the afternoon, you guys are doing sets. You have such, waste your life in this room, that's the word, waste your time on Jesus, because it's not a waste. Like, this is how he's going to change the earth. This is how he's going to change the earth, you guys. Yes, some of you will go out and do amazing things and you'll partner with them. But your voice before him has far more impact than what we realize. And you get to, as we've been talking about all day, the worth of Jesus, who he is. Find a way to waste a lot of your time in this house of prayer since you're so, it's so close in proximity to you. It will not be a waste. You are setting yourself up. Zach talked about it today. The fact that he's in here right now at his age, having gone through this, the ups and downs of it, waste your life with Jesus in this way. It's, it'll be the thing that will last forever. When you're standing before him, he'll go, well done with this. You wasted your life before me in the place of prayer. Sometimes it seems like it's not, it doesn't matter. But as, the other thing is, as Amy was talking about us both getting physical locations, you guys, Daily, I was praying, as you guys were praying for me, daily, 10 a.m., 4 p.m., every day, I was praying for you for this place to open up for you guys as you were asking for us. And I believe the Lord said, if you stay faithful in asking, I will do it, because you can't do it on your own. There's no amount of human zeal or human strategizing that can do this kind of stuff. That's over. Our ideas, the Lord likes us when we get our ideas, but our human ability... That's why the scripture says, in relationship to the house of prayer, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. Now, we take that verse and apply it to everything else, but it's directly applied to the house of prayer. God says, there's no way you'll be able to do this by your own might or by your power. It's my spirit that does a thing. It's because we get to talk to him about it. That's our job. We get to ask God about things. And that's the beauty of this. So, we want to take a minute and pray for all of you. So I just want to invite all the teenagers, if you would. Why don't you just actually stand over by the cross? There's plenty of room over there. And if it's okay, us older people will come around.
cross, if you would, and hold this. 